Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Get More Students podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Asher, CEO of LearnCube. And I'm Herbert Gozer, uh, founder of HerbertGozer.com. Today's episode, we're focusing on how to create a brand that attracts more students. Mm. And the reason we were really excited by this topic is particularly from a LearnCube perspective, we see so many tutors wanting to upgrade and, and take their business to that next level. And branding is one of the fundamental differences between an amateur at home and a professional that's really taking theirs to a, a larger scale, a larger audience and having a larger impact on the world of education. So I'm really pumped about this. And Herbert, um, I know that you work a lot with brands. So tell me about your story. <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, uh, running a digital advertising agency Working with language schools and education businesses, it's so important to, for our clients to have a very strong brand to you know, signify and signal trust um, with the audiences that we advertise to. So I'm uh, very excited to get some great insights today. That's right. I mean, one of the alternative sort of titles to this is really how to sell trust, because that's in yeah. a way what you're, what you're doing with a brand and why it's such a powerful tool for you to grow your business. And we're in a, uh, we're in a great space here with um, a very special guest. And that person is Sit Fentinos. She's the founder of the UK Virtual School. Now, you might not have heard about it because it didn't exist until 18 months ago. But from a small seed of an idea that has gone in 18 months, might I add, to a team of over 23 people and serving, wow. you know, all of these students that are having a really, well, exceptional experience. I'm really looking forward to understanding how Sid has not just built the business, but built the brand. And, and also something you should know about Sid. Sid has been tutoring, you know, math, science in particular, but tutoring for over 11 years. So Sid's really done it from, you know, the professional, you know, one man band kind of idea or one woman band idea uh, right through to where we are now to the UK virtual school. So Sid. Fantastic. <laughs> you're here. Welcome. Yeah, I am. Thank you, guys. That's a lovely introduction, Alex. Um, and I'm excited to be here and talking about branding. Fantastic. Well, the place that we thought to start was really Let's talk about the UK Virtual School because that's been such a fantastic mm. story. And it's actually a story that I think a lot of people can resonate with because it started 18 months ago. It was built as an entrepreneur out of COVID. Mm. Uh, and a lot of people have been, you know, to be fair, a lot of people were like, oh, I should really do something and haven't done anything <laughs> yet, but they're maybe going to give it a go in 2022. You've done this over the last 18 months. Let's hear that story. So it's starting where did the idea come from that you wanted to start the UK Virtual School? Well, when COVID hit, um, I literally, like, like many people, um, lost all work overnight. Um, and then it was a case of, what do I do with myself? I'm an educator, what can I do? And I tested out lots of different things. I tried uh, dabbling with YouTube, I tried online courses, and I kept getting um, messages from parents because I've worked a lot with the home education community over the last uh, 10 years prior to COVID. Um, and I kept getting messages saying you should offer online curriculum based classes. You should do this. You should do that. And it came out of the idea of what the demand was at the time. Mm. Um, and there's a big saying that you give what, what the customers are after. And if you do that, then you're, you're not going to be far off from being successful. Um, so that's where the idea stemmed from. And the, the idea of the structure came at the end of May 
I then tested it out in June and always test an idea out before you start investing a lot of time into it. Um, and I only spent, there was 500 pounds I transferred into the bank account when I set it up in July. And that's what I started off with. That was the capital investment. Wow. <laughs> um, and from that, it just grew and I kept adding classes and teachers. But the vision always had been that I didn't want to be the one that was doing all the teaching um, because I knew that curriculum content is, it. it I'm very kind of open to doing all sorts of other kind of learning um, and I don't want to be restricted by the curriculum. So I was like, I'm going to be designing all the ideas. I'm very much a creative person. Um, so that's how I started up. And within five months, I was able to step away from that teaching and have a team of 18 at the time running um, the business. And we had um, teachers and we had admin staff. Um, and it basically became a lifeline for both myself, but also all the team and the parents and the kids that were involved. Um, so in a nutshell, that's uh, the story of UK Virtual School. <laughs> well, let's dig into that a little bit more. So UK Virtual School, what does it do exactly? What's the what's the experience for the student? <clears throat> so it's an online school for home educating mm -hmm. families. So fam So when you home educate, you don't need to follow the curriculum. It's completely up to you how you teach your kids. Um, but some parents do like the stability of the curriculum in case that they have to send their kids back to school or they want some sort of structure. Um, or some of them had pulled their kids out of school due to COVID and they weren't feeling it's safe enough to send them back just yet. Um, so we provide a structured day for them and they can pick and choose the subjects. So they can pick just one subject or they can pick all the subjects that they want to do with us. Um, and we provide live teaching for those kids. But we also have webinar style teaching as well. And we've got recorded content. So we're catering for families um, that want an array of different flexibility options. So some families uh, are traveling and in other parts of the world where COVID isn't so bad. Uh, they're able to travel um, and they want something that they can take away with them and they don't have to worry about schooling. Other families have kids that are actors or they're models or they're into sports. So they need the flexibility to work around their kids' talents. Um, and other families just want something different because school was not working for them. So they had anxiety or they were being bullied um, or there were other issues or SEN. Um, so it caters for all sorts of families, but they're all home educating families. Brilliant. And so what is that? Were you quite familiar with home schooling before this? Yeah, so I've worked with homeschooling families for around 11 years. Um, my younger siblings were home educated. Oh, and wow. initially, when I set up the face-to-face -face groups that I used to run, um, it was to get them meeting other kids um, and to do other activities. And then from there, it grew. People realized my background was in science. And then I, I, it grew from there. Um, so I've worked with a lot of home educated kids, probably thousands before COVID um, anyway. And I got to realize uh, the different reasons that they home educate. So UK Virtual School already had all of that market research, you can say, that I built into it. And then I molded that into a, a service that I thought would be what people are after. But we're constantly changing that. So we have our core service and then we have monthly meetings with both kids and parents where they can feedback what's working, what's not working. And we take on board that information and we feed and we implement. So we're constantly evolving. And I think that's really important for a business that's trying to survive COVID um, <laughs> to be able to adapt and to be able to respond to what customers are saying. So on that, what, 
what is a you kind of mentioned that you do multiple subjects are you having to and but you mentioned that also you don't have to have a curriculum as mm. such so people can really be exploratory with yeah. their learning and really focus on the areas that are important to, to them is that correct Yes, so we do maths and English and science is curriculum based. Um, and those are like the core subjects that we offer. And then we have things like worldviews. So worldviews is an idea that I um, developed. And then we have a teacher that teaches that the kids explore a different country each month. And it's about them being able to understand the history, the geography, the culture of that particular country from the lens of that country. And I think that's really important in the global world that we live mm. in at the moment. So they've done South Africa in September, October, they looked at um, Egypt. Um, November, they looked at Greece. And they're going to move on to China in January. So they get a really broad range of um, insight into different countries and then we're also introducing new subjects like time travel which sounds really exciting um, <laughs> but it's just basically looking back at history and looking back in, and looking in, forward into the future and seeing how things are going to adapt as we go through time and um, so they're going to look at things like philosophy and technology and great thinkers of the past and great thinkers of today um, and entrepreneurialism and all of those kind of topics throughout history and, and currently and into the future um, and then we've just called it time travel because I think it sounds exciting. <laughs> so good. Good so name. Good. Yeah. So I was wondering with your, so we've really understood your business now. We're going to be, the, the focus of today is going to be talking about branding, but for mm. to have a brand and you kind of alluded to it before, you know, you want to give people what they're asking for, or at least what you think that they're going to be asking for. Maybe they haven't actually expressed that um, to you. Who's your target audience? Who are you trying to serve and why? So my target audience is home educating families that are looking for a structure that they don't want to be spending hours and hours trying to plan and deliver themselves Mm. um, that want to outsource some of that. And sometimes families also do similar projects with what we're doing in class but they want to outsource that and know that it's sorted and it's high quality and the kids are progressing and they're able to have a tutor have a teacher a professional that they can ask questions and they can engage with so we are providing an online classroom experience for home educating families fantastic and And i love how uh you you have such a defined niche and obviously you know that niche very well and Mm -hmm. i'm sure that helps you uh, in your messaging, in your branding. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think it's really important to know uh, your target market really well. Um, and it was such a small percentage before COVID, but now that that market is growing as well, and more exactly. and more people are looking for for something that will help them and assist them in home education. Because I think that's one of the big um, barriers where people get terrified. They don't want to home educate because they think they're going to be completely alone. Mm. And what we're providing is a community and we talk about UK virtual school being a family. We talk about that a lot. We're a family. We're here for each other. The staff are here for each other, but we're also here for the kids and the parents. And that's why when we have a day where a month where we have an assembly and we have a parents meeting, we call it community day because it's all about family feel and making them heard. Um, And we feel that the kids should be heard and that all their ideas are well worth hearing and and they also impact how we message things and how what we do and what we put out there um so one of them came up with the idea of a debating club and we were like wow that's a brilliant idea and we implemented it and he goes this you took on board our idea (laughs) of course because it was brilliant and just for them to feel like they're heard and valued I think is really important 
having having all parties invested kind of in that one vision yeah we talk yeah. about a three-way relationship learning is not just two ways it's not between you and a kid it's also yeah. the parent and the child has to be involved and invested as well of course and I'm already seeing clues of how your brand has sort of been pieced together. So we'll try and dig into that. But again, for the audience, what kind of age range are these kids? And also, is there a geography that you work with? So we work from ages five all the way up to 14. No, okay. no, no, 16, because okay. we do GCSEs okay. as well. So five to 16 year olds. Okay. Um, and we teach, so the English, maths and the science is UK English curriculum. Um, but we have kids from all over the globe. So we've got kids from as far as Thailand, we've got kids in Dubai, we've got kids in Africa. So you can have a class where the kids are from all over the place. And I remember um, doing a cover lesson because one of the teachers was ill. And I was saying how it's it's like horrible weather in the UK. And one of them was like, it's sunny here. And another kid was like, it's the middle of the night. <laughs> and it's just that variety and that culture that you have in one single classroom setting is just amazing. Wow. So interestingly, in terms of your niche area, it's really the homeschoolers, that's the thing that binds them, which is a small enough area that you can kind of target those people. Is that right? You kind of can have a cohesive message that will fit all of those types of people. So it's home educating families that are looking for British British curriculum. (laughs) Because uh, we teach everything in English. We do have yeah. languages, but we teach in English. So it could be expats. Mm-hmm. It could be families that are traveling. It yeah. could be families that are looking to move to the UK. Um, but they've got that common thread of home educating and they're looking for a British curriculum. Great. So let's jump into some of the manifestations of your brand, starting with, I'm assuming you started with the name. Yes. You, know, you had the idea, the, you had the name, UK Virtual School. I'm like, it is exactly what it says on the tin from what yeah. you told me, which I love. Um, yeah. Did you have any thought process around building? Like the language itself is really important. Like UK. Okay. I know that I'm going to be getting a British curriculum. Like you could have called it Femtino's uh, virtual school, but I wouldn't know mm. what that was, but you've told me the brand, it, it, there's a British foundation here in terms of at least its curriculum, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think um, I learned from past businesses <laughs> how important the name is, because um, I had another business where it wasn't obvious what the name was. And I, mm. I, I spent a lot of time just trying to explain to people um, what it was and what we did. Mm. And so I've learned from that experience. And I think the name is key and it is very important. Um, or at least if you've got a name that's not it's not as obvious, a tagline is equally as important in telling you what it is. Um, and it took a while because a lot of good names already taken. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, I was surprised that UK Virtual School. Yeah, (laughs) just on that, uh, just on that, Sid. What is the domain name that you have? UK Virtual School. Dot. Dot com. Dot. We have both dot com and dot co dot uk. I think it's really important for a brand to have both. Um, what a fine like i'm yeah good one whenever <laughs> so learncube.com for example like that was really hard i remember we had to pay money to get that but yeah. like getting anything that looks like a normal word is actually mm. really difficult um to do when yeah, you're trying to find i was com. really surprised <laughs> we <laughs> get had that both. one so good <laughs> so good um so what would, would you I, i've got some I guess some ideas around naming as well, but do you have any suggestions about a coming up with the name, but also maybe some things you wouldn't do again, you've actually done a lot of businesses. You've tried lots of different names. Do you have any things that you maybe you wouldn't recommend people do when they're coming up with a name? 
So I used to think that having um, a word that's made up was brilliant because you'd be top on Google. (laughs) (laughs) If your name doesn't have any keywords, then it's very difficult for people to Google you in the first place. Um, And also, um, it's impossible to give a a word over the phone. Like, I did not realise this when I set up one of my businesses, how difficult it would be to be able to then tell someone over the phone what the name of the business was. Mm. Um, So pick something that is easily memorable. And we also... um, um, so UK Virtual School gets kind of um, shortened to UKVS and we use that a lot. So have a look at how you can shorten down what you're ut- utilising as well. So you're not having to type it up every single time. Um, so that's really useful for us. Um, and just brainstorm. I think I remember actually being on the phone to my accountant and going, I've got this idea. This is what I intend to do. I have no idea what to call it because all the names are taken. And we were just like, um, just sharing ideas over the phone and I was like and I was googling and checking domains because it's really important that the domains Instagram Facebook all of those are completed and they're all available um and I was like I've got it I've got it I've got it (laughs) um and then I checked everything and I registered it straight away I was like okay I need to take this before someone else does but just make sure you've got the dot com and the dot co dot uk because you're going to regret that later (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. I think that's a big part of thinking further ahead if you're wanting to make this Mm. a long-term vision. Um, I totally agree with the spelling aspect as well. I think people get into a real strife when you say, oh, it's it's UK virtual school, but the virtual is with a U. Like, where do I put the U? (laughs) Like, it's too hard. Like, you need, you can't do a spelling course when you tell somebody's name. The worst thing is that learn cube as a Kiwi people don't understand cube. So actually in a way I've sort of done myself a bit of a, a disservice. Cause whenever I sat they're like, what cube? 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 What? <laughs> what? No, cube like the box. And they're like, ah, mm. but um, having something that's really easy to say memorable. These are some great, uh, some great tips. Mm-hmm. Don't get funky on the spelling. Yeah. Try to avoid going too weird with your in domain names as well. Like, uh, I think you can get away with it depending on the name, but yeah, it can start. People will start naturally thinking it's .com. So it'll be like UK exactly. virtual school. And they're like, I've, I've looked everywhere. It's not, no, it's UK virtual school dot online. It's like, no, I, mm. I don't think to do that. So that's why yeah. the .com or a .org or anything that people are very used to will be very important when coming up with. Um, and I think it's critical with a, with a digital business. So mm. thanks for that. And also, if you can't get the other domain name, you're essentially going to be sending your audience to someone else. Exactly. And, and that's the other thing, <laughs> and vice versa. And it's going to cause so much confusion between the two. Um, yeah. So just make sure that you can get both, at least those two, because I think those two are the big ones. Interestingly, I would also say be a bit careful if you're using real words. You know, UK Virtual School, I think you've been in a way lucky and smart. Um, but for example, if we called LearnCube virtual classroom, every time somebody looks up virtual classroom, it's a very competitive word. Fortunately, we're there, but you can imagine if our competitor was at the top, suddenly our competitors are always getting the top name brand. So you've, when you are using real words, just be careful that it's not so generic, that mm. there's no way you could be at the top of Google for it. Like English teacher.net, you know, like you're never going to be, you're constantly going to be giving away business to the competitors. Herbert, you had something. Yeah, I'm interested to um, get your opinion, Sid, on using your name uh, in 
in the business name. Uh, I think a lot of independent tutors and teachers um, use things like uh, learn English with Adam.com or, uh, you know, and, and they can really build a brand around themselves and their personality. So my tutoring business is built around my brand. So my mm-hmm. name. Um, and I still think you can still do other things because you've built the trust in you as a person. So whatever you offer, whether it's another business or another service or you're recommending someone, mm-hmm. people are going to buy into that as well because they trust you. So yeah. I don't think it limits them, um, but I would see it as separate projects. So learn with, if it's learn with Sid, that's going to be work that they're going to do directly with me. I wouldn't have another member of my staff doing the delivery for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they were, then I would set up a separate project and say, um, this is an association with me and this is someone that I would recommend that you go to and they're amazing at this. Um, because your brand, if you've got your name, it depends how it's named as well. Because sometimes sure. like a surname or a name actually looks like a brand on its own mm. and it stands on its own. Um, yeah. But when it's saying learn with Sid, I think it's more they're expecting me to be involved in that. So I think right. it's on how you phrase it as well. Fantastic. So we've talked about the name. That's where you started. Yeah. So what happened next? What's the next fundamental building block of building a brand? So then um, the values were the next thing that we looked at. And what was important to us as a company and an organization, what we were trying to get across in our messaging, um, because we sometimes think that once you've got your logo, you've got your name, your branding's over. (laughs) It's not. Uh, The Mm. brand, the the logo is just one marketing aspect of your entire brand. um, And you need to build up everything else around it to actually have a brand. So the values were really important. We did lots of activities exercises with the staff and trying to find out what the staff values were Um, and that was a really interesting experience and seeing where they overlap and where they're different and how we can complement each other and then from there we worked out what the values of the company and organization were going to be and why we had chosen those and I think that's really important realizing why they're important to you Um, so that was our next step and then from there we developed further and further. So let's go into that. What were the brand values that you started with? And again, recognizing that these brand values will morph over time. Yep. So curiosity and curiosity, because mm. I'm very big on that learning should be about us being curious about the world. So that's very big and very top for us. So curiosity. Then there was diversity and inclusion. And I see them both as one and the same thing because you can't really have one without the other. Um, and that was more about us being inclusive to all the different types of home editors that want to reach out because we've got SEN kids. We've got kids that have English as a second language. We've got kids from all over the world as well. So you've got that ethnicity, um, different ethnicities. Um, so inclusion and diversity were big for us. Innovation. And uh, so we want to be seen as trying out different things and and not being scared to be different. And and like we've structured our schedules differently. Our terms are different. The way that we function is different. We don't mark homework, for example. We don't do any testing. So we're very different in the way that we um, function. And I wanted to make that very clear. Um, and then our final one. And uh, so we've got. I've forgotten. What's our final one? Oh, our <laughs> final one. growth mindset I can't forget growth mindset mindset is really (laughs) key as well um and that's for us as well as for the kids and the parents that we have to have an open mindset that we have to be open to ideas and open to doing things differently um and and actually 
if we feel like we can't achieve it, it's just not yet. We just don't have the knowledge. We don't have the um, access to whatever it is that we need right now. But we can actually reach high and be able to achieve that. And I think it's important for kids to see adults being role models in that. Um, and for adults to actually say, I don't know that. And maybe I can look at, look it up. Um, so that's a big, big thing. And we do a lot of training for the staff around that to make sure that they're very open to seeing things differently and trying out different things. If something doesn't work, we try something out differently. Um, and the notion that we have this idea that nothing is... So if a kid isn't responding to something, we can try something different. It's not that... The online learning is not right for the kid. It's that we haven't tried everything that can work yet. Mm. And it's actually kind of going, okay, what else could we do differently? How can we do this differently? How can we approach this differently? Um, And we have some great um, meetings where we brainstorm ideas and we share good practice. And so having that open mind, I think is really important. I think it's a really important thing. Also, for anyone listening here, if you're feeling like, oh, I haven't thought of these things again, go back to Sid's point on the growth mindset. Not yet. Um, and that's what we hope that you're you're kind of getting out of this. And I think one of the other big takeaways I'm hearing from you, Sid, was to, if you run an organization, is don't do this in your pedestal up in the clouds with nobody else as mm. part of it. It sounds like you really got your team involved, which means, I mean, just think of all of the side benefits that you get. First of all, you get their ideas, you get their buy-in, you're going to keep them for way longer. They're now totally invested because they've helped you build this business as well. Like that is, I think that's a really powerful tip to make sure you're including your team in this? My team are the foundation of this business. Like I would not have been able to do this alone. Um, and they are as dedicated, as passionate. And this is what's really um, special about what we've got here because they're, they're as passionate about the long-term vision as I am. And that's what you need when you're starting out something. You need people that have your back. So when things are hard, and they are going to be hard, (laughs) that they're there and they understand and they're pushing you along. Um, And we had our end of term meeting for, our term finished last month, but we had our team meeting, our admin team meeting on Friday. Um, And I went around and I, uh, we do, we do an appreciation of each other at the end of every meeting, but we did one about the company. Like, what do you appreciate about the company? And one of them said, and he's been with me right from the beginning, and he said, I see myself here for the rest of my life. Wow. And I was like, oh, my. <laughs> commitment. I was like, it, it makes me feel scared. And he's only in his 30s. <laughs> um, Amazing. But the fact that people see themselves here long term because they see that we're going to be innovating and we're going to be creating and expanding and they're going to be able to grow within the company. Um, it's exciting and it's scary at the same time. <laughs> so you almost tapped into the next part of a brand, right? Which is you're creating something that outlives and out outsizes mm-hmm. yourself, right? Like it's a it's yeah. much bigger than you said now, it's, right? It's a legacy, right? We're trying to create a legacy. Yeah. And I think that's what's really important. When you're in the education sector, um, sometimes we think that everything stops with us. It doesn't. We are creating a legacy when we're imparting knowledge. But what if your company could leave a legacy and mm. it could continue what you've started? And I think that's a really important vision to have from if you're thinking about um, expanding and scaling, what sort of legacy do you want to leave behind? And that's what, what you need to embed inside your values. What do you want people to continue? What kind of captures that essence of what you want to create? Um, and this is why inclusion and diversity and innovation and curiosity and growth mindset are so important to us. 
Yeah, because they all none of those are think like Sid. Those no, are these are, you know, these are big things that yeah. anyone mm. can kind of um, grow into and learn and kind of explore. Um, and and I guess it brings us on to like how did we encapsulate this for the kids to understand? Exactly. Um, and that took a lot of. So we were like, these are big words. <laughs> these are big words for an adult to kind of um, take hold of and to utilize them in everyday teaching. How do we kind of get this across to kids um and we did a lot of brainstorming around this and um and then it kind of dawned on me that maybe we need to just be a bit more creative and and we came up with the idea of characters and those characters evolved and and they don't they look completely different from how they initially look like like I remember our graphic designer coming up with initial ideas because I thought what if we could encapsulate these into characters and we could define these values um, by a character and we could then demonstrate what we mean by these because that's how kids relate um, yeah. and when we when we first had the brainstorming session we thought a oh, growth mindset would have like think he would be stretchy and because his mind is always expanding um, and we had all of these ideas of what innovation was going to look like he's going to be very robotic because he's been innovating and building on himself um, and then um, Sherry who's our graphic designer came up with the different versions of them and then we kind of tweaked and tweaked and tweaked um and now you have the characters that you see on our site um yeah what a fantastic can you de- idea <laughs> can you describe those for the people listening and they might not be in front of a computer what do they mm. look like so curiosity um he's our explorer so it, um we picked purple and there was a reason we picked purple <laughs> i can't remember why now um but yeah each of the colors had reasons uh, so the purple he's purple he's got a hat on he's got three eyes so he can really explore he's always around with a magnifying glass and a, a bag um and we use him a lot on our world views um and in in our teaching the ki- the teachers use them in their powerpoints when they want okay. kids to be curious, they'll put curiosity there and they're like, right, you need to think like curiosity now. Like what what can you, what kind of, how would you use your research skills? What would you do? Um, so curiosity is all about kind of seeing the world, um, exploring the world, doing the research. Um, then we have innovation. Innovation lives in a robot, like a robot body. So you, innovation can pop out, but he goes into the body and he's built a robot for himself. Um, and he's all robotic, robotic hands and a, and like a almost like an astronaut headgear thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so he's all about kind of technology and kind of exploring things differently. Then we have um, inclusion and diversity. So these two are really interesting. We wanted to show that they're connected. So we thought they could be twins. Uh-huh. And one's blue and one's red. So they're basically flames. Um, so you've got the blue and the red flame. So in, in science, because I'm science, right? You have a blue and a red flame and you can go between them when you've got the Bunsen burner. Um, but they also um, they also kind of intertwine together. Um, so they represent uh, a little bit more of, of being united as well. And then we've got like growth mindset and he's got tree trunks coming from his head. He can also stretch. We still have the stretchy feature. So you'll see him on some of our marketing where he he stretches across different things. um, And he's all about trying things out and and the power of yet. Um, And then we encapsulated that into a story. And then we called it Space for Everyone. Um, And it's about Jamie and his adventure of wanting to build a rocket 
and how he doesn't know how to build one. So he goes to his friends and his friends kind of assist him. And at the end, he has a rocket, which is includes everyone. So his, fr- his friend, who's Madeline, um, is in a wheelchair and he makes sure that it's inclusive for her as well. So they build this rocket together and they go into space. Um, and Wonderful. it includes all of our characters along the way. Sounds like a good uh, children's book <laughs> for, for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> You've actually got a book, actually, don't you, Sid? Yeah, it's called Space oh for Everyone. You so can get amazing. it on Amazon. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's on Amazon. There you go. We just haven't promoted it because the the process of producing that book was what we needed from that. Because the process of our team getting together, building that up together, it embedded what the values were for us. And all our staff have a copy of it. Um, and then some of our kids also have a copy of it. But they utilize, like, the book's freely available on YouTube. You can go and listen to the story. One of our kids reads it out loud. Um, so it's completely accessible. Um, and it, it was a process that was important for us. And we've kind of, from that process, the so teachers have a very good, solid foundation of what our values are. They embed it into their teaching. And they talk about the book. They talk about a storyline. Um, and so we've we've done what needed to be done. And I guess we didn't really promote it because we got busy with other things. But it's something that we need to kind of properly launch at some point. So good. Uh, let's go on to what are the benefits of now having built a brand? Because I think there's a lot we can learn about what, you know, all right, uh, brands for later. What, you've already mm-hmm. seen a lot of benefits. Tell us what those are so people can be really engaged with this brand building process. So people are probably thinking, wow, this all kind of came right at the beginning. It didn't. It came over a period of, um, I think it was nine, 10, 10 months, maybe. I think maybe a whole year. Um, so our initial brand was completely different. We just had the name and we had a logo, which got updated as the year went on. Um, and it's about, we had an initial website and I took lots of feedback from parents. And again, this is really important. You need to take feedback from your client base. And one of the feedback that I got from that was it feels a bit cold like my photo wasn't on the website initially they're like it feels a bit cold and when we actually come to UK virtual school we feel like it's part of a family we feel this we feel but the website doesn't capture that your your messaging doesn't capture that your marketing doesn't capture that um so we captured all of that feedback from people and then it was like how do we and this is really difficult how do you make it feel like a family? How do you encapsulate a warm feeling? How do you do that? Um, and it took a lot of kind of thinking and uh, thinking about the colors, thinking about the shapes, thinking about how we put our messaging across. So it came over a period of time um, and it doesn't have to come all in one go. Like we rebranded a few times during the year. Um, until we had something that w- was working for us. So don't feel like it has to come right from the beginning, that you have to have everything sorted. You can change your logo. You can change the look of things. You can change your colours. You can introduce things later on. Um, and it, it's a slow process, but that process has to happen organically. If you push it too much and it's too soon, it's not going to work. So my photo didn't show up onto the website until maybe March this year um and that was a big shift for me because initially I was like I don't want to be the face of the brand (laughs) I don't I don't want this to be around me um Mm. and then I realized that actually I was still having those one-to-one meetings with parents um 
and them seeing more of me would mean that they would get a good feel of the organization before they joined it. Uh, so then I think it was March time where our photos started to appear and I did um, a Facebook live and then we built that in and we put the team's photos up and everything and it slowly kind of came. Um, but initially we didn't have any of that. Uh, initially it was just an idea. Yeah. It was the, um, it was a solution to people's problems. So initially we had people sign up that just needed a quick solution. And then as we've grown and the brand has grown, I've realized we're attracting different people now. We're attracting people that are long-term, that see the vision with us, mm -hmm. that, that connect because they see the characters, that connect because they see what we're trying to create. Um, and that's where the, the, the turning point occurs. When you have just a business, you have people short-term, there's no loyalty. When you have a brand, it creates trust. It creates um, a feeling because a brand isn't just an identity. It is more than that. So if you think about a person, why do you trust someone? It's the energy that they're giving off. It's the experience that they've got. It's, it's everything encapsulated. And that's what a brand does. A brand creates a separate entity which can stand on its own feet. Um, and it might utilize my photo and it might utilize the team's photo mm. and experiences, but it has its own identity and trust and um, re um, reliability in its own right. And I think that's the difference between just having a business and having a brand identity. Love it. That was so perfect. Like if anyone just wanted to stop there, just write that yeah. stuff down. Because <laughs> Done. <laughs> that's exactly why you want a brand. It's living, it's it's allowing Sid as a component of her brand rather yeah. than mm. being the focus of it. Yeah. So good. Also, the other aspect I felt was really insightful was when you're trying to provide trust, we, how do we build trust? It's the idea of somebody knows you, that you're the consistent person day in, day out. And Maybe you can kind of help us dig that out a little bit more, Sid. Like, what are the most important areas to be consistent, to be right, to be on brand? So the, when we first set up, um, we weren't out there in terms of marketing because the most important thing for us was those that were with us, those that had enrolled with us and trusted us right from the beginning had a really good ser a service and they felt like they were looked after. Um, and then the parents become part of that brand. They'll go mm. and talk about it and they'll mention it to their friends. I think customer service is at the key and the heart of what you're doing. And we built a team initially to make sure that the, the parents' questions were answered straight away and they had someone that they could reach out to. If it wasn't always me, because I couldn't always be there, that they had someone that they could reach out to. Um, and to have them feel like they're being heard. Because I think this is what differentiates anyone from any other business, is when you feel like you're treated as an individual rather than just a number or a customer, you then start to feel that sense of trust and loyalty towards that company and organizational person. Um, so that was the core foundation of what we built initially. So initially, <laughs> other than Facebook and a static um, website page that wasn't even Googleable at that point, um, we didn't have very much online. It was just Facebook. And wow. I remember one person contacted us and said, I think you're just scammed. Like someone just said, like, you're not available. You're not anywhere on Google. Like we can't find you. <laughs> and, and it was really interesting how people perceive that like, lack of online presence mm. as, as something dangerous. 
Um, and initially, we, we were just worried about the parents that are with us to make sure that they are having a really good service. And then everything else came after. So the marketing came out after and the branding and everything else. So I think key is looking after the people that you currently have. That is key. Because if they're happy, they will spread the brand for you. And, yeah. and they'll also provide you feedback and insights. And, and they'll be completely honest. They'll say, this isn't working. I, I had parents say, like, Sid, you do so much, but it's not out there. You've got to do this and this and this. <laughs> You've got to do this. Um, and that's what you want. You want that two-way communication to be there so that when you want to bring a new offering out there, you'll, go, go, you'll ask your parents and say, well, what do you think? And they'll be like, no, that's not looking right. <laughs> mm. And then you can tweak. Um, because unless you have that honest feedback, you don't know if you're going wrong. Yeah, it seems like that the idea of, again, it's not just brand building and relationship building is what I'm hearing from you. And if you don't have a brand that's approachable and you kind of have told me a number of ways that you make it approachable from the brand characters to the way that you think about your messaging to your face now on the, on the website, which now kind of helps build trust, but they feel that they can approach you. And that is so valuable because then they can help you. Whereas if you, let's say that you did something wrong, which was you stay very static. You don't listen to anything, but actually you're a lovely person, but no one sees that. There's no brand that kind of manifests that. There's very little way or opportunity for people to help you. It sounds like you've really been able to dig into that. Really great stuff. Um, Herbert, we're going to um, almost wrap this up. So I'm wondering, maybe with Sid, do you want to tell us any last kind of comments or maybe recommendations you would have for mm. somebody that is starting to build their, band, uh, their brand in a tutoring business? And what would you say to those those people? Where maybe they've got a business, but you know they're, they're going from themselves to a bigger business, or they've got a small business and they're really tight, trying to take it to that next stage. What would you say to those people, Sid? I would say, first of all, look at your core values. Build everything from that because you can't mm. go far wrong if you've got that as your foundation. And I think a lot of people will say, I've got values but they won't necessarily know what they are. And your own values aren't necessarily what your company values are going to be. Um, so just make that differentiation. So my own value, like honesty is up there, but I don't have that as a core value. Of course, honesty is going to be part and transparency is going to be part of the company, but it's not one of the core values. So I think you need to differentiate your own values from your company values so that your company can stand on its own two feet. So that is the core, I think, getting those yeah. values outlined and, and straight in your own head. And it's difficult. It's not easy. <laughs> you really need that foundation to build everything off. Yeah. And also think of it like a combination lock. It sounds like you've got, you've chosen four or five unique, uh, not necessarily they're all unique values, but together they create a unique brand mm. identity. That's so you. Um, so definitely go and check out uh, Sid, your your website at, uh, tell us, tell us actually how, how can people follow you uh, from a professional perspective and also follow your, your vision with the UK virtual school, uh, 2100, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's ukvirtualschool.co.uk if you're finding us on a website. Um, or if you're looking for me, then it's Sid Femtinos. Um, and then you can find me anywhere, LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm all over the place. <laughs> um, or you can just search me in Google. I should come up first. Um, yeah, that's how you can reach out. Um, and yeah, I look forward to hearing people's comments and anything that they want to share with me um but work on your brand guys like it's really important and it might be something that you don't actually 
um, think about very much because we get tied down to the day to day stuff. But uh, take some time out over um, over a couple of weeks and have a real good think about it. Fantastic. And Herbert, um, you work with a lot of brands in the language and education space. You work with so many brands, in fact, but particularly in helping them with their Facebook. Um, how can people learn from you about brands and, and how to kind of get that message out through particularly Facebook as your main channel? Of course. Um, yeah, if, if anyone's interested in uh, launching paid advertising campaigns uh, to generate leads and enrollments for their courses, then they can reach me on herbertgerzer.com. Great. And my croaky voice will finish off by saying, <laughs> if you'd like to check us out, come and see us at LearnCube, uh, LearnCube.com. I'm already just noticing I've got the cube problem already. <laughs> oh, no. uh, I'm recovering from COVID, so apologies for the croaky voice all day. But um, Sid, what an absolute pleasure. You're such a star. Loved it today. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you. See you all. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>